Welcome to Faith on Fire, the broadcast that encourages believers to ignite the power of faith in their lives. Join us now as Pastor Vince Haney and Pastor Richard Hoyt Jr. bring the Word of God to fuel your faith. Welcome back. Welcome to another edition of Faith on Fire. I am Pastor Richard Hoyt Jr. from the Community Church of God. And I am Pastor Vince Haney from Rhema Word of Faith Empowerment Ministries. Uh, yes, welcome back. I'm like, uh, welcome back. Yes, yes, yes. Hey, we've been speaking on the subject of seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. And uh, me and Richard were discuss- discussing this morning, what does that look like biblically and scripturally, not what we might think it means in our own understanding but what does god say that kingdom is first of all we we found out in uh, i believe luke 17 he said uh that the kingdom was inside of us and and i believe it's inside of us because scripture said because the spirit of him who raised christ from the dead dwells in you christ in you the hope of glory basically he will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you so that's that's his spirit that dwells in us that holy spirit and and as we impart that engrafted word that's able to save our souls. That brings that kingdom alive. And also we were just talking about how in the kingdom, it's done different from the world's way. The kingdom says, bless those that persecute you. Pray for those who spitefully use you. Well, we know what the world says. Yeah. The, the Bible says esteem others before yourself. Right, right, right. The world right. says, uh, watch well, out. Well, the kingdom says one. honor the king, even though you may not agree with him, but you still honor the king. The kingdom says, you know, go visit the sick, uh, feed the poor, clothe the poor, visit those who are in the hospital and, and in prison. It's a totally different mindset and a system from the system that we came out that Adam brought upon humankind, fallen man. So, But this new kingdom, we have to be transformed by the ruin on our mind to this new kingdom, and that's by the word of God. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So as we partake or feast on the word of God and do what the Bible talks about meditating on it day and night, that'll try starting to, they'll start to transform us and we'll start to think different. We'll think the way God desires us to think. And, uh, that'll uh, give us the victory. And then we're walking by faith. We're walking by faith. And once we started doing what God told us to do. And we're walking in that kingdom of God lifestyle because that's a lifestyle. The just shall live by faith. That's a lifestyle. And I like to call it the kingdom of God lifestyle. You know, as as we're talking here, it's very important for, I think anybody who might be listening to to realize we're not trying to beat people up. We're not trying to say, Oh man, you're, you're going to be in trouble with God. What we want people to realize is that God's serious about all this stuff, that God is serious about. He wants us to be renewed by the transforming of our mind, that he is serious about, that he wants us to not just hear the word, but to actually do it, that he actually really means this thing, and that our life can be conformed to the likeness of Christ, that our life needs to be and can be changed when we seek ye first the kingdom of well, God. I want to interject and just say, as you was just saying that, scriptures just, just go off inside of me. I kept hearing John 10.10. 10, and like you said, we're not here to beat people up. God's not here to beat you up. He's here to give you 
Victory. Victory. What John 10, 10 says, the thief come in, but the steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I came that you may have life and have it more abundantly. And the only way we're going to have that abundant of life is we submit to to God's ways, to right. his kingdom ways. And, and as we look at the scripture before this, he talks about do not worry. One of the biggest problems that so many people have is this worry in their life, and it robs us of the joy in our life. When Jesus said, I came to give you life and it more abundantly, he wants us to have more joy. He wants us to have more peace. He wants us to have all of those things that you cannot buy at the store. They only come to you as the gift of God, and he wants us to have them. We sometimes allow the devil to come into our life. We allow our own sinful nature to rob us of the joy that God wants us to have to rob us of the peace that God wants to have. And he says, so do not worry about all this stuff. Don't worry about how you're going to eat and drink and all clothe yourself. Don't worry about that. Seek ye first my kingdom, and I'll add all those things to and, you. And speaking of seek ye first my kingdom, part of that is speaking what thus said the Lord. you got to speak in line with God's will and his word. And as you were just speaking, I was just thinking about, you know, people worrying and um, God said, you know, first of all, he said he has not given us a spirit of fear. But love, says, do power, not worry. Sound mind. And then he tells us, you said how the devil will come in and rob you. He tells us, don't give the devil a place. Don't be deceived by Satan's, it says, well, I'm trying to remember the scripture. It says, don't, we're not ignorant of Satan's devices and don't give him a place. And then he said, he's given us authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And then he said, submit to God, resist the devil, and what? And he'll flee from you. So that's the, that's the process. Submit to God means bow down to what God says. Resist. How do you resist? You put up some force against them. The kingdom of God suffers violence. The violence take it by force. That's resistance. It's not equal pressure. I'm putting a little more pressure on him than he putting on me. That's resist the devil, and then he'll flee from me. I see, and I can resist him. You know how I can resist him? Not because we wrestle not against flesh and blood. I can't resist him with some natural weapons. I'm going to resist him by speaking the word of God because that's the sword of the spirit. That's what I'm going to use to resist him. I'm going to use the word of God. Satan hates it when God's people know what how to use the, the armor. <laughs> there it is, how to use the armor. And we know all those elements of the armor. He And Paul said, put it on, actually keep it on. There's a helmet called the helmet of salvation. There's that breastplate that protects your vital organs, your heart and all those other organs. That breastplate calls a breastplate of righteousness. Then he says, have your waist girded with the truth wrapped around, have the truth wrapped around you. Ooh, Jesus said, I'm the truth, the way and the life wrap him around you. He said, also uh, use that shield of faith. Oh, shield is to, to what? To quench all the fiery dots that the enemy's going to throw you. Throw that shield of faith up on. Then he says, have your, your feet standing in the gospel. <laughs> you got to stand on the gospel, right. which is the word of God. So a lot of times we forget we have armor. That's a bad thing to go out to war and forget you got some armor. <laughs> you go out butt naked. You go on the battle get Goliath. You ain't put on none of your armor. Well, he says, keep on your armor. You got to remind yourself, I have all this spiritual armor and weaponry. And I use this to fight against the wiles of the devil. Because the devil works mostly in, in the arena of your mind. That's why God tells you to be transformed by the renewing of it. He works in your mind. He'll shoot thoughts to your mind and say, you can't do this. You're not going to make it. You're not good enough. You came from the other side of the tracks. Nobody else in our family ever did this. 
That's what he does. He wells condemnation. You. The other people in your church don't right. like, nobody cares about you, really. Right. He wells condemnation. But the you'll, you'll never us, be able to, to make it any better. You, you know these bills, you're always going to have them. You know that see, you're always going to be down. Now, what does the scripture say? This is why you got everybody, every Christian has to be a word, a student of the scriptures. Because he says in Corinthians, casting down every thought and imagination that exalts itself against well, the know, knowledge I, of God. I love it when you, when you say imagination because, man, our imagination can run wild. You ever, can. People do this all the time. You know, you think about something that you don't really want to face, and then you think about it some more, and pretty soon your imagination just starts running wild, and you start thinking, oh, man, this could happen, and that could happen, and, man, and that happens, and this is going to happen, and pretty soon it's almost as if the whole world's come to an end, well, and nothing has happened yet. And that's why God says cast down Every imagination that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Well, if you know what the knowledge of God is, he says, imagine that. Think on things, whatever's whatever pure, good. Yeah. Whatever's he true, said, think of that, because we know you can, you can watch some horror movies and get all that horror stuff in your imagination and go to bed and have a horror nightmare. <laughs> and you'll wake up in the middle of the night sweating, and you ain't went nowhere but in the bed. I, I know where. Thoughts. Imagination. Yeah, yeah, I know people that won't read mystery novels because they live alone and, and it makes them have bad dreams. Well, because yeah, your thoughts. You start thinking about that and you'll wake up having nightmares. So he says, think on whatsoever things are pure, lovely, of a good report. Whatsoever things are praiseworthy. So the spiritually mature Christian should be thinking on what God said in his word constantly. He says he gave Joshua the key to, to, to taking the city. He says, this book of the law, referring to the word of God, shall not depart from you, but you shall meditate in it. How long? Day and night. And you may observe to do all that's written in it, and then you'll make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. Remember? Psalm 1 says, blessed is the man who delights in the word of God. In his word does he meditate. How long? Day and night. See, and, and so what are you meditating on, Richard? And this is where <laughs> delight comes in. When you, yeah. if when as soon as you use the word delight, if you say to somebody, "I delight in ice cream," what do you think that wh- what picture comes to your mind? That person loves ice cream. That person, ice cream is like their favorite thing. And if they see ice cream, they're going to eat it. So if we Ooh, if we delight in the, in the Lord, that means that He's the most important thing to us. That what He wants, and that we're never going to miss a chance to be with Him. And that's what that delight is, is that it's not, oh, man, you know, I'm listening to Pastor Vince and Pastor Richard, and they're saying I should read my Bible. And, you know, every pastor I ever heard said I should read my Bible. Man should so not I guess, bread alone. I guess I'll have to read my Bible. I don't really want to, but I guess you know I will. Richard, if we need re- to delight in it. If they read their Bible, the scripture says this concerning the subject of delight. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So what are some of the desires in your heart? To live a healthy, wealthy, prosperous life? Well, the, 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 the formula is delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the Seek desires of your heart. Seek first the kingdom of God Back, same all these thing. things will be added unto you. Just paraphrase the same thing. So that's what we need to do as Christians. We have to see God as our only source and, and do it his way. If you have forgiveness and bitterness in your heart, that's not the kingdom way. So that stuff brings on actually brings on sickness and disease. So God says, be quick to forgive. So we have to do it his way. And that's what the kingdom means, doing it God's way, not your way. 
unless your way starting to line up with God's way. You know, 2,000 years ago, he says to us that, that we're not to be envious and angry and bitter and all those things. And now 2,000 years later, we find out, as you just said, that medically it kills us. It doesn't hurt the other. When you are angry at somebody, when you're bitter at somebody, when just the mere thought of their name makes your adrenaline surge and you get angry, you're not hurting them. You're hurting you. And we have found now through medicine that we are actually harming ourselves, not the other person. Well, back to that scripture over in James chapter 1, verse 24. It says, there, therefore, lay aside all filthiness. Those things you just mentioned, God regards that as filthiness and overflow of wickedness. Having bitterness for somebody, God considers that wickedness. He says, and receive with meekness. See, you got to receive God's word with meekness. You can't receive it hostile. <laughs> you got to receive it with meekness. He said the implanted word. Implanted means I, I, I received it. Then he said, which is able to save your souls. It gets back to the word of God. The word of God is able to save your souls. And the scripture goes on to read, and this is what I say where the rubber meets the road at seeking first the kingdom, not just being a hearer, but a doer. You gotta, you can't just say, yeah, I heard that before. Yeah, yeah, I know that. Well, why aren't you doing it? Why aren't you forgiving people? Why aren't you making amends? Why aren't you, yeah, I know they did you wrong. And I told a story just the other day, uh, last Sunday. I had to go many times to people that did me wrong. I went and asked them for forgiveness. You know why I asked them for forgiveness, Richard? Because me harboring that bitterness, it, that it, me harboring what they did to me, allowed a seed of bitterness to grow up in me. So now every time I heard this particular person's name or seen them, guess guess how my emotions was flowing. Right. So and God started dealing with me with that in a prayer meeting. He said, "Go over this guy had did me wrong in ministry. Oh, he said some bad things, and." I didn't immediately forgive him. I allowed that seed of bitterness to grow up. And one day I'm in a prayer meeting. We were getting ready to pray about for the city. And the Holy Spirit just convicted me. He said, go over there and ask that brother for forgiveness. And I'm already knowing he did me. I didn't do nothing to him. <laughs> right. but, but I Wait did, a minute. He you know should what? be asking me, not the other way around. <laughs> I did something. You know what I did? I allowed that seed of bitterness to grow up towards my brother in Christ. Right. So, and it wasn't harming him. It was harming Oh, you. no, he was going on with his life. <laughs> yeah, my, all my days, every time I saw him, was bad. So I walked over to him, and I had to walk over to the other side of the room. That seemed like the longest walk ever. But I walked over to him and embraced him and hugged him and crying in tears. And I said, would you forgive me? And he probably was like, for what? I did you wrong. <laughs> but uh, I asked him to forgive me. And you know what? And I just hugged him for about two minutes. I didn't let him go in tears. And he says, I, yeah, I forgive you. And I walked away feeling light as a feather. Again, seek ye first the kingdom. Do it God's way. Right. And all things will be added well, unto you. You know, and I'm... And my ministry's taken off now. And I'm reminded of the scripture where it says, if you remember that your brother has something against you... Go to him. Go to him first. Mm -hmm. Or that we you don't have do that done in the church no more, to though, your brother. See, here's what happens is... He says, if you realize that you have done something to your brother, put your offering at the altar. Leave it there. Go be reconciled with your brother. Then come and give your offering to God. What we typically will do is we remember, oh, man, I just remembered that I said that to my wife. I just remembered I said that to my husband. I just remembered I said that to my friend, and they're probably upset with me, and I need to ask them to forgive me. But I don't really want to do that because then I'd have to humble myself before him. I'd have to admit that I was wrong. So I'm going to just ask God to forgive me, and then that will make it okay. Because 
But that's not what the Bible says. We need to go to that person, ask them to forgive us for what we have done, then go speak to God. But you know what happens? So The other way, when somebody does something to us, you didn't do this, and it's great. But a lot of times what happens is a brother or sister, somebody does something to us. We don't go to that person and say, you know, you you did this or said that. What we do is we go find 10 of our friends that we know will agree with us and say, boy, do you know what sister so-and-so said? Mm -hmm. Do you know what brother so-and-so did? And And then pretty soon now 20 people are involved (laughs) instead of just the two. He didn't say do that. He said you go to your brother. You go to them. I had, when I first got born again, like two years after I got saved, I have a testimony concerning that. And it was actually in a church service where somebody again had did me wrong and I, I, I... I traded evil for evil also, so we had some bad blood against each other. But I ran across the word of God that said just what you referred to, if you have something against your brother. And it was just about offering time. So I passed a note about five rows back to this gentleman that asked him, can I speak to him before offering time came? And he nodded and said, yes. I went back there with my Bible, and I went to that scripture in Matthew and shared it with him. And then and he, I asked him to forgive me. I'm thinking he's going to say, well, you forgive me too. He didn't do that, but I did my part. And then offering time, I took my offering. And then a couple of days later, uh, one of these guys, he was a city councilman. I ain't going to mention his name. But anyway, he called me and he said, hey, Vince, just want to ask you something. He said, officer so-and-so was in my office today and he was just bawling like a little baby. And he said, and all he would say is, he talked to you on Sunday. <laughs> he said, what did you say to him? I said, well, I just shared a scripture with him. He said, well, I've been working on this guy for a couple of years trying to get him to the Lord. And whatever you said, it worked. Back back to this. The goodness of the Lord leads one to repentance. Amen. I just did. The, if he's I, lifted up, he'll draw all Right, 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 right. And that's what I did. I just demonstrated the kingdom to the guy because he knew me before I was saved. And he knew what kind of man I was. I was, in a, I was Saul. <laughs> he knew Saul before he was saved. So he got to see Christ in me, the hope of glory. And he was at the other guy's office just bawling about what happened Sunday. See, and you know what's an interesting thing is what you just brought up, people's past. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we as good Christian folk have a hard time realizing that people change. You know, I think about Saul becoming Paul. How many church people, how many Christians said, man, we don't want nothing to do with him because we know who he is and we know what he's been doing. Remember his past. (laughs) And and, uh, we don't want him around. And in fact, Ananias, that's what he says. Don't you know when the Holy Spirit says to go to him? He says, wait a minute, don't you know what this guy's been doing? And often as Christians, we don't want to let people's past be buried. What God says is that when you are saved, your sins are as far as the east is from the west, and God remembers them no more. But we sometimes as Christians remember them. And so we say, boy, I remember what Pastor Vince used to be like. Oh, I, I hear what that Pastor all the time. Richard I hear it all the time. used to be like. I know what Sister So-and-so used to be like. And, and it's almost as if we're expecting them to go back to whatever it was, or we can't forgive them for whatever it was. But God casts those sins out. They are as far from the east as from the west. They are remembered no more. And we as Christians need to realize that God is in the change business. He changes people's lives. But I want to say something on that note, especially concerning ministry leaders. When you look at a ministry leader or even anybody that's been born again, and if you see and you don't have understanding and you don't receive them, as God has received them, you just minimize what they can be in your life. A lot of people, I grew up in this city here, 
and a lot of people knew my past. And quarter like Paul, so Paul probably couldn't minister. The Bible says Jesus in his own hometown, a right. prophet has is without honor except in his own hometown. It says Jesus couldn't do not many mighty works in his own town. Because they saw him as the carpenter's son. Yeah, he was son. a carpenter's son. Yeah, yeah. What's so, he know? So the Bible tells us when we get born again, he says, now know ye no man after the flesh. Meaning, don't look at him like you used to know him. Look at him now as the person that's put on Christ. When I say put on Christ, I mean the whole, I didn't put on Christ from head to toe. So that's the way we need to look at people and not minimize people because now we're getting in a whole subject called the body of Christ. Every part of the body is significant and, and can prosper you and benefit you. So when you look at a brother or sister in Christ and then you start judging them because of their past, you just negated or mitigated what the anointing that God's placed on them for you. Well, see, and what you're doing really is you're saying, in maybe not consciously, but God really couldn't change it. God right, really right, couldn't right, do right. anything. So, so you don't really, believe, you're, you're not really a believer. You well, claim well, you're a really believer. really what it is is that you're not saying so much about that person as what you're saying, saying about, about God. God. Right, you're right, right, right. God can't do what God said he was going to do. Right, right. And and I hear a lot of so-called believers or Christians, that's their mindset. Oh, God, God don't change people like that. Once a thief, always a thief. Right. You know, you can, once a leopard, you can't, a leopard can't change his spots. But God can't with, teach an old dog new tricks. Right, but with whatever. God, all things are possible. We got God's word. on Nothing's impossible there you with go. God. And all things are possible to him who believes. If you believe what the word of God says concerning transformation and that you're clay and he's the potter and he's constantly molding you and he's knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. He knows the plan and the purpose he has for you. If you actually believe that and start agreeing with that and walking in line with that. You'll see God manifest in a big way in your life. See, I, I'm convinced that the Apostle Paul knew that God could change anybody and completely change anybody because of what had happened to him. <laughs> yeah, on that Damascus see, he, road, he, he had knew a revelation. What happened to him. He knew who he was, he knew what he was doing, and he knew how completely God changed his life. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of Christians. You, you, you were the same way. Right. Me too. <laughs> There's a lot yeah. of Christians. You were always pretty good. I, n- I never had any trouble with the law. I never did anything that would probably the, anybody would say, oh, man, that was really terrible. But I sinned pretty regular. Well, you, and you, just you, like you everybody born, did. You were a born sinner. Born right into it. Born mm-hmm. naturally. Right. And they're too often, as Christians, we can say, you know, I never was really that bad. I, I never did anything illegal. I never did anything the law would have been. I never did anything that other people weren't doing. You know, maybe I gossiped. Yeah, but everybody does that. Maybe I lied, but yeah, everybody does that. And so we think, you know, I wasn't really that bad. And so it was easy for God to save me. It was easy for God to change me. But boy, brother so-and-so, he was a drug dealer. He was he was a thief. He was whatever. And there is no way that he could ever it's really take be a miracle. Oh. And it does. It takes it takes a miracle for everybody. Yeah, right. We forget that. It says the same spirit is in all and above all and in you all. It's that same spirit that that worked on you. It it worked on Paul. That same spirit. But we're all a miracle. Every child of God is technically a miracle because we weren't a child of. We were an enemy of God, and it's because of God's (laughs) grace that we become the children of God. And so you can say everybody who is a child of God is a living, walking miracle. You are, and I, and that's why 
whoever wrote that song, Amazing Grace. I love that song. Ooh, how sweet this is. It sound. is really you amazing. The rest. When you think right. about God's grace, it's amazing. It's amazing. That, that here we are, all the sins we committed, all the things we did, mm-hmm. and now he has forgiven us, and he has, as I said before, taken our sins and put them as far as the east is from the west mm-hmm. and remembers them no more. And that's absolutely amazing, and, actually. And here's the thing, because we, were, we were all born in sin and shaped in iniquity. None of us knew. Jesus said man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. When you got born, naturally, you didn't know any word of God. I don't care how good you thought you was. You still didn't know what thus said the Lord. And you, you wasn't walking the, or living the kingdom of God lifestyle. It's once you get born again and, and get filled with the Holy Spirit and start being not just a hearer of the word. That's what makes you a kingdom citizen. Yeah, but a doer. So all that stuff about, uh, I didn't never do none of that. Well, that's good for you. Well, other people did, but now other people are have their reliance on the word of God. We're not just hearing it, but we're doing it, and we're relying on God's word, which equates to God, as our source. And, and God's pleased with that. Scripture says in Hebrews eleven six, without faith. I like to change that word faith to without doing God's word. Or believe in God's word, because you got to have faith in God through his word. It's impossible to please him. So once I place faith in God's word and I start living it out, guess what? I'm pleasing him. You didn't do none of those things, but you still don't know the word of God. So who's pleasing him? Me, the thief? Remember, there was two people on the side of Jesus on the cross. There was a thief and a murderer. One of them, and the testimony was, I almost didn't make it. And the murderer was the one that almost didn't make it, because he told Jesus on the cross, I believe you are who you say you are. And guess what Jesus' reply was? This day, you'll be with me in paradise. The cat on the other side, he didn't acknowledge Jesus as deity. He didn't acknowledge him at all. So I wonder where he spends eternity at. But so I don't care how good you were. If you haven't bowed down to the King of kings and the Lord of lords and made Jesus the Lord of your life and, and start applying his word to your life, you know that doesn't profit you nothing. Back to you referenced it the last time, Corinthians 13, about love. He says, though I bestow all my goods, but have not love. God is love. Right. So if I don't have God. He's not I, loving. He's not lovable. Yeah, he's he, love. He's love. So if I don't have God and I didn't did all these things, yeah, I didn't gave to the, this organization, that organization, but you still ain't received God, you ain't did it his way. Well, see, you righteous. get that out of your own. Right. See, our righteousness is it's filthy rags. Mm-hmm. It, it has no value whatsoever. We're just doing it on our own. It's as we do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. See, when we put on Christ, we put on his righteousness. And when God looks at us, he actually sees Christ's righteousness. Hallelujah. That's what see, I'm talking so, about. I love that. So when he looks at us, see, and there's another part of amazing grace. Because <laughs> when he looks at me. He, he sees, sees Christ's Christ. righteousness. He doesn't see my that's righteousness. Shouting, that's shouting words because right there. Because if he saw my righteousness, <laughs> I'd be in trouble. You'd be like a filthy rag. Right. On, see, <laughs> I'd be no good. So that's why the Bible says put on Christ and, and keep on Christ. You have to put on Christ. And when you got on Christ, there's no condemnation. But before we go, we got we to gotta plug the book real quick. Real quick. Healing Power, Voice Activated. We'd like to make this book available to you by uh, Drake Travis for any donation, love offering to Faith on Fire. Hit us up at P.O. Box 7508 and we'll get the book out to you. All right. We will see you again for more Faith on Fire. If this broadcast has been a blessing to you, we ask that you consider sending a love offering to Faith on Fire. 
P.O. Box 7508, Chico, California, 95927, which allows this broadcast to continue in your local area. Again, that's Faith on Fire, P.O. Box 7508, Chico, California, 95927. Please join us next time on this great station for more Faith on Fire.